dismissed to your class. Romans chapter 2. In the book of Romans, written around somewhere around 54 A.D. 54 A.D. By the Apostle Paul to a church that he had never been to. As an apostle to the Gentiles, of course he has authority as an apostle to address uh, the church in Rome. He has a desire to see souls brought into the kingdom. And because Rome is such a large Gentile population, he being an apostle to the Gentiles has a desire to go and be with them at some point. But in the meantime, he writes this awesome book called the Book of Romans on the Gospel. And uh, we looked at last Sunday, he presented the bad news first, and that is going to be followed by the teaching of the gospel itself. Now we saw, beginning with verse 18, a group of people that are without Christ, without God in the world, they are Gentiles. And that means they, they walked in natural revelation They God had given them. Um, the sky, the moon, the stars, everything natural. And then chapter 2 will talk about the Gentiles again in their conscience. But they failed to serve God in what they knew. Okay, Now this morning we're going to take up the Jew. Okay, Where does he stand in relationship to the gospel? He has the Bible. He has the word of God. He has the covenants. He has what appears to be a right relationship with God. But then Paul addresses him and says, you're not right with God. And so neither the Gentiles who are without the Scripture and the Jews who have the Scripture are doing what they know that they should do uh, in relationship to God. And so the Bible says, Paul's final conclusion will be, the whole world stands condemned without Jesus Christ. Okay? So this is somewhat the bad news as we lead into the Gospel. Chapter 2 of Romans, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. Now we're moving to the section here with, we are dealing with the moralist or the religious man. Uh, the context shows me that it is the Jew. It can be applied in many different ways. Verse 1, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein... Thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou, O this, thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despise thou the riches of his goodness? and forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impotent, impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath 
against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. And here it is. Of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. That is as far as I will read, okay? Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. Bless us, anoint us, God, to bring it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, what we are seeing here in these chapters is man apart from Jesus Christ, a man who is not born again. And Paul talks about the horrible state and condition of mankind without Jesus Christ. The first group was the Gentiles who did not have the Word of God, but they had natural revelation, which is what God said. So they're without excuse. Let's back up and look at a verse here. Verse 20, chapter 1, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now that tells us that the Gentiles, who without the Word of God, we're talking about people all over the world, nations, okay, can look at the natural creation of God and come to a conclusion that God is one, that He's very powerful and He's very wise. That means that as they come to that conclusion that they should be accountable to Him and show thanks to Him and glorify Him. But Paul shows us that even the very minimal things uh, that God would require of man as man looks at natural revelation and that is to worship and glorify God and be accountable to Him, that man does not do that. Now that doesn't mean, I need to emphasize this, it's very important. That does not mean that if somebody out there, let's say, in the Amazon somewhere, that has never heard the gospel preached before, that if that person looked at the creation of God and by his inner conscience knows that there's a God and that he became accountable to God and became and tried to serve God and tried to live for God and tried to worship God, that doesn't mean that he would be saved without the gospel. What it means is, is that natural revelation that God has given to man everywhere who do not have the word of God, if they do not serve him, if they do not become accountable to him, they have enough knowledge not for salvation, but they have enough knowledge for judgment. So look at it, it says verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Notice, it does not say that if you have that revelation of God from natural creation, and then chapter 2, the conscience, that that's going to put you in a salvation experience. 
It just says that you're without excuse. So what it says is that it brings judgment of God upon you, not salvation. Does that make sense? A man cannot be saved without the gospel. If he's never heard the gospel, let's just say there's a possibility. If there's a possibility. The problem is, what Paul has shown you is there's nobody that exists without the gospel that serves God and worships God. Whether it's the man in the Amazon who's never heard the gospel preached and all he has is natural revelation and a conscience on the inside of him. Paul has shown you that no man, even in that condition, has ever lived up to what he knows about God. Even that man has come short of that knowledge of God. And so Paul is saying, if there was somebody that lived up to that revelation without the gospel, he's not saying they would be saved. He's saying all they are is without excuse. And they have enough knowledge to know that it's worthy of judgment. Enough knowledge to bring judgment upon them, not salvation. Now here's the point. So if we find somebody out there somewhere that's never heard the Word of God, they don't have the Bible, they don't have the Gospel. Somebody's out there, let's say they really wanted to know God. They look at the stars and the moon and the sun and they know there's a God and their conscience tells them a God and that there's a God and they really want to know God at that point. They would still need the Gospel to be preached to them. And God would find a way to reach that person. He would find a way. You think about a man by the name of Abraham. He lived in Ur of the Chaldees. The Bible tells us very clearly, I know this may shock you, but Abraham was a worshiper of the moon god. In today's modern terminology, he would have worshipped and served Allah. Now I know that is shocking to you, but that's the case. Because Islam is the worship of the moon god. And when Abraham was over in Ur of the Chaldees with his father, he worshipped and served false gods. But God knew that man's heart. That man was a worshiper. But he did not know the God of glory. And so God knew that man's heart, Abraham, that he was a worshiper. He was just worshiping the wrong way and worshiping the wrong God. And the Bible says the God of glory appeared in him and gave him a revelation that he is the true God and that he is to forsake the, the land of Babylon and go to a promised land and worship and serve the true and living God. That is why today, brothers and sisters, if there's somebody over in the Middle East, let's say like in Iran, or at rock. And they are sincere and, and they, they know that there's a God and they want to serve God. That's why oftentimes people like that, God will send them a vision. You'll hear more about Jesus appearing to people in Islam than you'll hear about Jesus appearing to people in Christianity. That makes sense? Why? Because he knows that there is a person over there 
who if they had the opportunity to hear the gospel, they would believe. And so He will appear to those people. And I've done recently, I say recently within the last six months, I took a theological course on missions. And what that course tells you is one of the things that I learned was on the mission field where the gospel hasn't been preached. The appearance of Jesus Christ takes place over and over again to people. That all they have is maybe natural revelation that there's a God. Their conscience tells them there's a God. But God knows that if they had the opportunity to hear the gospel, that they would repent and become a Christian. And so they will appear, Jesus will appear to those people on very, very frequent times because He knows who will listen, who will receive the gospel. So the point being is this, is that just because a person has never natural revelation that there's a God and he's got a conscience that there's a God doesn't mean he's saved. But God knows the heart. And you find somebody out there like maybe in Iran or wherever, in the Amazon, God knows that person's heart. And God can appear to him or her in a vision. And then eventually lead the gospel to that person by a Christian, by a minister, and tell them the truth. One, my point is, is this, is that Paul is not trying to say to you that if the person that doesn't have the Word of God, that doesn't have the Gospel, if they look up at creation and come to the conclusion that there's a God, and because they have a conscience on the inside of them, they know there's a God, that that's all it takes for them to be saved. He's letting them know that's just enough knowledge to bring judgment on the life. But if you by that revelation and knowledge and, and, and are willing to submit to God, God will see a way to bring the gospel to you. Amen? He can appear to you in a dream or a vision, or whatever. Amen? And bring you into a place of revelation. So my point is, is not so much trying to explain how God's going to get it done. My point is to explain to you that revelation, natural revelation and conscience is not enough to save a man. My point is you still have to have a revelation of Jesus Christ and you still have to have the gospel in order to be saved. And that's what Paul is emphasizing in these chapters as he's leading up to begin to preach about the gospel. And he's showing you, he's going to show you the whole world stands condemned. That means you and that means me. That means the person in Iran or Iraq or the person in the Amazon wherever it is, Europe, ever, the Jewish nation in Israel today stands condemned before God apart from Jesus Christ. Paul is going to show that without the gospel of Jesus Christ, nobody is going to be saved. Whether you be the Gentile without the Word of God or you be the Jew with the Word of God in your hands or you be a church-going person with the Bible in your hands and you go to church every day and you sit on a church pew, but you're not born again. You're just religious. Or maybe you're a good moral person. There are some people that are not in the church. They're not even Christians. And Paul will show this to us. They don't steal. And they're not in the church. 
there's some people, pagans, that are lost, that are moral. You probably know some of them. You probably know some people that you've rubbed shoulder with. They're pretty good people to a certain extent. Amen. They're good citizens. They pay their bills. They don't steal from anybody. Their kids honor their parents. And they're not even in the church. They don't commit adultery. They don't lie. They don't steal. They don't cheat. Amen. But they're not in the church. Sometimes there's people out there in the world that live better than people in the church. But that doesn't mean they're saved. So whether you are the person, as Paul talked about in the first chapter, who is a person, a Gentile, without the Word of God, who has natural revelation of God, that's going to bring you just to enough knowledge to know that you deserve to be judged. That you need a Savior. Or if you're the religious man, apart from Christ, a pretty decent, good, moral person, that's not enough either. And the whole conclusion is this. Whether you be a Jew with the Bible in hand and a religious person or a good moral person or somebody that is, has never heard the Gospel, everybody needs Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me say it to you again. Nobody will be saved without the Gospel. Alright? So let's look at it very carefully. So he moves into this section now and he deals with the religious man or the moralist. The context as a whole, I believe, is speaking of the Jewish person who has the Bible in hand. Okay? On a broader scale, it speaks of the person who goes to church with their Bible in hand. They walk through the church doors. They sit on the pews. They live a pretty decent moral life. Okay? Jew with a Bible in hand. Church girl with a Bible in hand. Or somebody that's in the world. Maybe a, a Greek philosopher. Through Greek philosophy, they try to live a good life. Or in, that, in this culture, Roman philosophy. Whatever it is. Okay? A pretty decent moral individual. In this context, though the greater context is what we talked about is you know church people as a whole or just a decent person. But in the context, it's the Bible-carrying Jew. Alright? So he walks and Paul, Paul would have seen them because he, he wrote the book of Romans while he was in Corinth around 54 A.D. He's been in the Mediterranean preaching for about 25 years at this point. He's seen Gentiles in paganism. He's seen Jews in the Jewish religion. He's watched it for 25 years. He's watched Gentiles come into the Messianic kingdom through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's seen some Jews come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God through the messianic preaching of Jesus Christ. But then he also notices there's some Jews there in Corinth as he was writing this book. He noticed they were walking around. They had the Torah under their arms. They carried the Scripture under their arms. And 
They would claim to be in covenant with God. They would claim to know God. But yet, they lived in sin. And so by the very fact that even though they read the Bible and they had a knowledge of the Word of God, and they carried it under their arms everywhere they went, and you could tell a Jew a mile away by the way they dressed. Paul is going to show that's not good enough. See, the Jews, you have to kind of get into the mind of the Jews. There is an apocryphal writing called the Book of Wisdom. It talks about the Jews' mindset. And the Jews' mindset, Wisdom 14 and 15, is that they had this special relationship with God. That they were the special people of God. Okay? That's their mindset. And Wisdom 15, uh, in that apocryphal writing, goes on to say, and I, and I read it myself, it says this, that a Jew can commit sin and still be right with God. That a Jew could live in sin, but yet be immune from the judgments of God just because he was a Jew. And so Paul is going to address that religious Jew who is by his lifestyle breaking the covenant of God. who thinks that he can live a life of sin and be immune from the judgments of God just because he's a Jew. And that Jew, not only does he feel special and does he feel immune from the judgments of God even if he committed sin, I mean, the concept of the Jewish thinking and thought was amazing. They... They believed that no Jew could go to hell. That if you were just a Jewish person, if you died and you went to the gates of hell, you would not be brought into hell just because you were a Jew. And on the other hand, they looked at the old Gentiles as nothing more than dogs. and That means the nations. If you weren't a Jew, Gentile, they looked at you as nothing more than a dog and fuel for the fire of hell. They looked at you as a person that could not be saved. But they as a Jew, being the special people of God, could live in sin. Unrepented sin. And because they were a Jew, they were immune from judgment. And they'd walk around, and Paul will address that, they'd walk around carrying their Bibles under their arms and they would judge those Gentile dogs, you know. And then Paul says, you're doing the same thing. You're committing the same sin that they're committing, but you think you're immune from that judgment just because you're a Jew. 
And Paul will say this, no, God judges based on the truth. God judges based on the way you live. God judges based on what you do, not what you say with your mouth. Paul's going to show this self-righteous religious individual, this self-righteous Jew, that thinks just because he's a Jew, he's special to God and he's going to make it to heaven and he's immune from judgment no matter how he lives and he can go around and throw up his nose and look down on everybody else. And Paul is saying, you're committing the same sin. A self-righteous individual apart from Christ. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for when thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. This is not saying that you or I should never judge anybody. That that is such a cop-out. People say, well, you're judging me. No, the Word of God's going to judge all of us. It's a cop-out. This is not saying to you that you should not judge anybody their life. What it's condemning is self-righteousness. And that is a person judging somebody else and they're doing the same thing. Self-righteousness. That's the Jew, man. Boy, on the outside, boy, they got it all together, man. They got the, they looked the part on the outside. You know, they got the Bible underneath their arm. They read the Bible every day. They pray the Shema. But they're living in sin and living in sin violating the very covenant they claim to be a part of. And looking down on everybody else for the same sin they're living. Hypocrisy is what Paul is saying. This is the religious man who's not saved. This is the religious man apart from Jesus Christ who thinks by his own good works and by his position as a Jew that that's all he needs. That he doesn't need a Savior. All he needs is his religion. In the broader, broader context, the religious man, whether he be a Greek philosopher or a Roman philosopher or whatever, and the, whatever, man as a whole who, the moralist, man, I'm, I'm better than anybody else. I don't live for Jesus Christ. I don't claim to be a Christian. Amen. But I don't need that. Because I'm good without him. I'm good enough without Him to go to heaven. As long as my bad outweighs my good, I'm good. No. As long as my good outweighs my bad, I'm good. You'd be surprised how many people think that way. Even in the church. As long as I, you know, I'm going to try to live good, man. I'm gonna, I'll be a good, I'll be a good boss. I treat my employees right. I'll pay them good. I won't lie. I won't cheat. That's not enough to get you to heaven. Amen. 
You shouldn't be lying. You shouldn't be cheating. You should be treating your employees good. Are you with me here today? But that's not going to get you to heaven. And being a part of a denomination is not going to get you to heaven. You can say, I'm a Baptist. You can say, I'm a Church of Christ. You can say, you can say, I'm Pentecostal. You can say, I'm apostolic. You can say, I'm assembly of God. That's not going to get you to heaven. And there are people today, when, they, when you're talking, I'm a Baptist. And they're pretty decent, good, moral people. But they're not born again. They're not born again. And they're going to be lost. I'm not going to pass judgment on my mother, but I'm going to say this. My mom is, she lives everything she knows. She goes, she's a good Lutheran. She goes to church all the time. Pretty decent individual and morally. She raised me and my sister and my brother by herself as a single parent. Okay? For the most part, a decent individual. Goes to the Lutheran church. But you know what I'm constantly doing? Constantly talk. You need to be water baptized in Jesus' name. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Mom, I know you go to church, but have you been born again of the water and the Spirit? Because your religion is not enough. I know you're a good Lutheran. And some of y'all know good, good Lutherans or good Baptists or good Church of Christ or good Catholics or whatever. But I'm telling you, by the Word of God, it's not enough to save them. Apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the new birth, nobody's going to go to heaven. And so Paul points out the most religious individual on the planet. There is nobody that's more religious than a Jew. And he says, you stand condemned, you stand guilty before God Almighty. Because you have the same problem that the Gentile has. And that problem is you've got a sin nature. And you are under the power of sin. You are a slave to sin. You've got an evil inclination on the inside of you. And no amount of religion, no amount of being a good moral person is enough. Everybody needs Jesus Christ. Everybody needs to be born again. Religion is not enough. Denomination is not enough. Going to church is not enough. Carrying your Bible is not enough. Having a knowledge of the Bible is not enough. You can have all of that and still go to hell. Verse 2, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. That's reality. Judgment, let me tell you something, my good brothers and sisters, the judgment of God Almighty is going to be is going to present reality. It's going to reveal what's real. Not the mere professor that goes to church. 
not the person who knows the Bible. It's, what, it's not what you know, Paul is going to say, but it's what you do with what you know. And if you don't do anything with what you know, if you don't live a holy life, you're not going to heaven. You're going to be in hell. That's why I say to you, there's going to be preachers in hell. That's why I say to you, I haven't made it yet. Because it's not how much knowledge of the Bible you've got. It's not how much you pray in a prayer meeting. It's not how much you give in an offering, brothers and sisters. It's not what you know, it's what you do. It's how you live. And you and I can come in here and we can put on a show and put on a front and act like, yeah, we're real good. We're, we got it all together. But we know our life is not what it's supposed to be. And we think maybe just because we have a knowledge of the Word of God, we do this or we do that religiously that God is going to look at us and say, you're saved. It's not enough to know you got to be a doer. Okay? But more importantly than that, you need Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ. We need the Gospel. And once we become born again, then we can live the, the life of God, the holy life. But you can't live holy without God. You can't, you can't live holy without being saved. Can I just put it this way? You are absolutely, and everybody's absolutely unable, unable, unable to live for God without the new birth. You go one day, you do good. You go the next day, you blow it. You go one good day, you do good. Next day, you blow it. Without the power of the Gospel in your life and my life and being filled with the Spirit and walking in that Spirit, we are unable to live for Christ. We are unable to obey Him. When you become a born-again believer, you are enabled to live for Him. But if you're not a born-again believer, you're not able to live for Him. You'll try real hard but you'll always come up short. And that's what Paul is showing. Is the religious, self-righteous man who thinks by his own good works that he's going to be good enough to go to heaven and at the same time judge everybody else for their sin, he's doing the same thing. Why is he doing the same thing? Because he has the same problem that everybody else does, whether it be a Jew or Gentile. And that is, every one of us have a sin nature on the inside of us. And we need a new, we need a new nature. We need to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Going to church is not enough. Praying is not enough. Reading your Bible. That's all good if you're a born again believer. You need to do that if you're a born again believer. But that's not going to make you saved. It's not going to get you there. Judgment Day is going to reveal so much. Because Judgment Day is going to show what's real. So I'm telling you here now, Paul, he's moving away from that old pagan that all, all he has the natural revelation. He's moving now into the religious man. Judgment Day is going to bring out the truth. Thinkest, 
thou this old man that thou judgest them which do such things and doest thou the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God he's saying you're not immune from the judgment stop walking around and think because you're the special person special person of God or you're the moral person in the crowd you know that you're immune, immune from judgment. Well, because you go to church, you're immune from judgment. God is saying truth is what He bases His judgment on. Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness. The riches of His goodness. You despise it. You despise the riches of God's goodness. Despise it. You know the word means despise. The word you got here the word spy in there, okay? He said you spy. You look literally despise mean to look down on. He said, yeah, you're religious, but you're looking. You look down on God. It's like you, you know, what he's saying is like you put yourself above God and you're looking down on God. You despise Him. You're looking. You're spying Him out. Despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance. God is saying here, He said, You need to understand you're not getting away with sin. You say, Well, nothing happened to me. God is saying, You you, you misunderstand. You despise the riches of his goodness and his forbearance. Forbearance means God is tolerating you. It doesn't mean you got away with your sin. It doesn't mean that you and I get away with our sin. If God doesn't come and bring the hammer down on us and judge us the moment we commit the sin, it doesn't mean we got away with the sin. What it means is God is tolerating us, giving us space to repent. His forbearance means He tolerates. Are you glad? Are you thankful today that God just doesn't come down, man? Every time you do something wrong and just just lay you low, I am too. But that doesn't mean we got away with it. What it means is God just I'm just tolerating you right now. It's toleration moment. Basically, I'm just putting up with you right now. You haven't got away with anything. I'm just putting up with you right now because you fail to understand that judgment's coming down the road and I'm giving you space to repent. I'm giving you time to repent right now. So never take sin lightly. Never think that you're getting away with the sin. Just understand God is just putting up with you and me right now so we can at some point finally bow our knee to God and say, God, I'm tired of being religious. I'm tired of acting the act. I'm tired of playing the part. I'm tired of doing this. I know I'm not getting away with it. So if I haven't been judged yet, it's simply because God is good. And God is forbearing me. He's tolerating me. Putting up with us. How much God 
puts up with us on a daily basis. A holy God who cannot even bear to look at sin. A holy God that hates sin. And if we commit it, and we're not judged immediately for it, God is saying, I'm just putting up with you. You just need to know that's my goodness. So don't think that you're, you know, you're getting away with anything. Just understand how good God is and how tolerant God is and how forbearing God is. That's the way He is. He just sometimes, brothers, I know this might be, this is the best way I know to preach it. Sometimes God just puts up with us. We deserve for God to judge us the moment we commit the sin. But He is forbearing. He just tolerates and puts up. And, and, and the, the sad part it is, brothers and sisters, is that sometimes, now thank God I'm preaching to born-again believers here today, but this applies to us too. See, we have the Holy Ghost. We don't just have a conscience. But what is sad sometimes is that you and I, even when we know we sin and we break and we repent and we mourn and we sorrow over our sin, after we get through that phase, we move into a pride condition. And we forgot what God, how God forgave us and what God did for us. And now we start walking around arrogant and prideful. We didn't get away with it. God just put up with us. Aren't you thankful that God puts up with us? I'm not going to look down on God, man. I'm not going to spy on God. Yeah, God, you know. Okay, God, I'm going to push you in the corner. I'm going to sin and I'm going to see if I can get away with it and how much I can go, how much I can get away with and all that stuff. And God says, don't you understand that you're despising my goodness? and my forbearance that I've just been tolerating you. I've just been putting up with it. Say amen. I'm glad that God tolerates. I'm glad that God forbears. I'm, I, don't want to, I don't want to despise that man. I want to walk in humility. I, I want to be thankful before my God and say, God, I know what I deserve. I know I deserve to be judged. I know it, God. I know you died for my sins past, present, and future. The sins that I'm yet to commit. You died for those as well. I need a Savior in my life. I'm not going to take advantage of you, God. I'm not going to walk around prideful and arrogant. And I'm going to stand in your presence with my hands lifted and say, Thank you, Lord, for being patient with me. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for tolerating me. Because any of us in our best state, we still filthy rags in the eyes of God. The riches of His goodness and forbearance. And then, next word He used, long-suffering. Long-suffering. He's slow to judgment. He's plenty in mercy. Amen. 
I've got a question for you. Are you, in, are you in touch with... He's showing you by one of the greatest teachings the condition of man left to themselves apart from Christ. This is who we are. Are we in touch with that? Are you in touch with just, you know, well, you want, I want you to preach me something to make, make my ego feel good, make me feel good about myself. That's not the way the Bible pre presents us. The Bible tells us just how horrible a state we're in without Jesus. And then He's going to bring the gospel and say, this is what He did for you. This is how bad you are. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you in touch with it today just how rotten you are? And does that despair drive you into the arms of Jesus Christ? See, once you, once you realize just how bad you are, the state, the condition you are as a human being apart from Christ, it's not so you hang your head and feel sorry for yourself and walk out the door and just throw up your hands and say, I give up. What it's supposed to do is to drive you into the presence of Jesus Christ. That despair, your rottenness, your failure, your fallenness, to drive you into the arms of Jesus Christ for mercy and grace. Not to make us more religious. Are you in touch with that? Are you in touch with what Paul is saying? If you're not in touch with what Paul is saying, you don't understand the Gospel. You don't understand what Jesus did for you. Just how bad you are. Maybe you're in touch with it concerning yourself, but what about when you look at your kids? Some of you worship the ground they, they walk on. You do. And I know you don't like it, but I don't care. You worship the ground your kids walk on. They can't do anything wrong in your mind. And anybody crosses them, anybody says anything to them or about them or whatever, you and your little self-righteousness. I can't believe that they would talk about my, my kid. I can't believe they would do that to my child. It's because you are not in touch. You live in your phony little reality. And I promise you, your kids left to themselves will break your heart. The very ones that you boasted about and bragged on and sent out all kinds of banners and put them in the newspaper about how great they are and all their successes. If they're anything, it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ. So you can advertise all of their greatness. But when it all comes down to it, this is reality. This is who every one of us are apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, apart from the power of His salvation. This is all of us. And I don't care if you like it or not. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to preach the Word of God to you. And if I hit you right between the eyes, I want to. Because this is reality. Okay? And most people, and I can talk to you like this because I'm your pastor and I know you better than you know yourself. Some of you think you know yourself. You don't know yourself. I know you better than you know yourself. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than I know you. 
And if you were real with yourself, you would say, Amen, Paul, you're right. If you weren't so full of self-righteousness yourself, you would say, Amen, Paul, you're right. Get a little success in our life. Go ahead. Go ahead. I thank God you're successful. Go to college and get your education. But a lot of times all you're doing is becoming a, a clever devil. A more clever devil. Educated people are nothing more than clever devils. If you succeed apart from Jesus Christ in your life, all you're going to do is take that success, that position, or that money and use it to make you more corrupt. Jesus Christ is the only one in our lives that can get religion out of us, then can get rid of the sin power out of us, the power of sin in our life to break that power. Jesus Christ is the only answer to the horrible condition of any man. Apart from Jesus Christ, I take the blessings of God and turn them into a curse. Apart from the power of Jesus Christ in my life, I get educated. I just get smarter and I'm a more clever devil. You don't know who you are. And that's why Paul has to bring it like this. He has to show the whole world stands condemned before God. And everybody needs the gospel. Everybody needs a Savior. Everybody, including you, my good brothers and sisters today. The thing about it is after you've been born again, don't replace the new birth with religion. That's what happens with some people in the church. Well, I'm baptized in Jesus' name and I got the Holy Ghost. Well, yeah. But are you walking with Him? Are you in relationship with Him? Well, I still go to church. Who cares? Are you in a relationship with Him? See, if we're not careful, that old religious approach, tying ourselves back to God, being right with God, you know, by being religious, we go back to that. God doesn't want you to be more religious. He doesn't want me to be more religious. Okay, I do believe in holiness, but I think that you and I have rubbed shoulders with people who's, you know, the women had their hair down to their ankles, had their dresses, you know, to the calves, but had the most stinking, rotten spirit of anybody in the world. Why? Because they got religious. Brothers and sisters, I've been in this this way for almost 30 years or maybe over 30 years and I'm going to tell you something. I'm still in touch with the, with the, the thing that I know and that is I need Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to let this religious, self-righteous spirit get a hold of me. I can't do it. I can't do it. 
I can't start putting up a front like, hey, everything's great. I can't do it. I'm nothing without Him. I'm not, I'm not going to get up either and try to be, you know, religious preacher and try to give you psychology and make you feel good all the time about yourself. I'm not going to do that because I'm going to preach the Word of God. And the Word of God, Paul starts out when he's preaching the Gospel, he starts preaching about how rotten we are. That's a true apostolic preacher. Amen. Say praise the Lord. I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to tell you you're the biggest mess. You are a mess. You're a mess. You're a mess. You're a mess. You're a mess. Everybody in the back is a mess. We're all a mess. We need Jesus Christ every day. Not 25 years ago. I need Him right now. I need the reality of salvation right now. I need the power of the gospel right now. My position is nothing. Pastor, who cares? Nothing. The position pastor is something. But the one holding the office? Nobody. Nothing. He's everything. All I got to do is look at myself in the mirror. Okay? Honor the office. Always honor the office. But remember the man holding the office is a sinner saved by grace. And it's not any better than you. Not any better than you. We all have a sin nature. Every one of us. And even though we've been born again, we start walking in the flesh again. We're not walking in the Spirit. Those old sins of the flesh will come out in your life too. Those old limbs that were cut off by the baptism in water in the name of Jesus, those limbs cut off. Filled with the Holy Ghost. You got the stump of the tree and you got another tree on top of that stump and that's called the Holy Ghost. It's been engrafted in on the inside of you. But if you don't walk in that new nature, those old limbs will begin to grow again out of your life, out of the old stump. And if you're not careful, they'll grow around that new nature and completely choke it out. To where a Christian can be a carnal man. Shouldn't be, but lives as a carnal man. And if the Holy Ghost dies in that Christian, lets that old nature swallow it up, and that, old, that new nature dies, that's called reprobation. It can happen even to you and I. 
Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God in us, the Word of God. We gotta keep those limbs cut back, man. We gotta keep that old nature cut back, cause if we don't, it'll come and it'll squeeze it out. And the moment that you think, I can't be touched by that, is the moment that you're fixing to have a fall. You have to be in touch with that evil inclination that sin, the Jews called it the evil inclination that's on the inside of you that could cause, it's called the sin nature, cause those limbs to begin to grow again in your life. And instead of producing the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness and temperance against such there is no law. Instead of producing that in your life now, the works of the flesh begin to be produced out of that old stump called the sin nature. It's not enough to go to church. And I'm not mad at you. I'm just preaching the Word of God to you. You need to understand your condition. Not going to church. I mean, you're, you're going to church is not enough. You have to walk with God. And I have to walk with God. We have to walk in the Spirit, man. Walk around and, yeah, well, I'm a born again believer. But is that old sin nature, am I under the power of sin now? Are you in, under the power of sin now? You living, doing, saying the same things the world does? Yeah. But I know the Bible. And I, and I read it every day. And I go to church. You don't know your condition. If we're not careful, we'll end up like Paul talked about in the previous chapter, congratulating people that are in the wrath of God. Do you understand, brothers and sisters, as Paul flows into this, this uh, chapter 2, he's talking about the religious man. Do you also know that the religious man is deep into the wrath of God as well? This individual's deep in the wrath of God. But what is so dangerous is they're so deceived. Their religion makes them feel like they're right with God when they're not. And they're deep in the wrath of God. Now, the Holy Ghost has been speaking to me. And I hear it for myself first. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when he speaks that to me, he's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church member. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because we were just religious enough. Just religious enough to keep us out of heaven. Because we failed to see our true condition. God says, I'm going to judge based on the truth. Amen. 
that's going to bring reality out to the forefront. I don't know if I'll have time this morning, but a lot of times we look at people and we say, they're so immature. They act so immature. I see that infantile way coming out in them. Brothers and sisters, the infantile, the immaturity in the man is the result of sin. Why does the child act like the child acts? Why does the man act like he acts? Sometimes when he acts like a child. What's the root cause for the child to act infantile? It's because of sin nature. The power of sin that's in the life. We got a big problem on our hands. Big problem. But we got a bigger Savior. We have a bigger answer, and it's Jesus Christ. Amen? But understanding our condition first is important. The law of God can't save you. It won't save you. There's nobody that's ever lived the law of God, lived up to its requirements. There's no human being on the planet that's done that. The law of God is still in, in place, though, to do what? To convict you of sin. To drive you into the arms of God. In your despair. To literally bring you to a place of total despair. Oh, I want to go to church, man. They make me feel good. I don't want to go to church and feel despair. The law of God is, is supposed to drive you into despair concerning your condition. So you'll run to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to tickle your ears. I'm going to preach the Word of God to you. Now, this is probably pretty, pretty hard. This is maybe hard kind of preaching. Some of y'all can't handle it. But sometimes we need to be driven to despair. We do. You know. And that's a good thing. Because the law of God is doing its work. <laughs> it's showing me how, you know, showing my shortcomings. It's showing me where I'm missing the mark. It's... It's telling me how much I need Him. It's a, as, as the writer Paul writes in another book, it's the pedagogos. To lead us to Christ. The law is not another way, another approach to God. The law is the pedagogos that takes you by the hands and leads you to Him. I need Him and you need Him. Desperately. The whole world stands condemned. Your little baby too. Your little baby that you worship and you coddle. Who can do no wrong. And you never correct them. You never say anything that goes against them because you don't want to hurt them. God have mercy on your soul. Despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, 
toleration of God, long-suffering, slow, He's slow to anger. He's slow to judge. Long-suffering. Not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. It's not that you got away with it. It's just that God was patient and tolerant and good and merciful. And it's the goodness of God that leads you to repent. Not give you a license, but to lead you to repent. Thank you, Jesus, for being patient with me. Thank you for tolerating me. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you for being grace. Thank you for giving me space to get right. Verse 5, but after the hardness and impenitent heart, hardness and impenitent heart, he says, you know what? He said, the problem is you got hardness and impenitent hardness. When you study the word, it means hardness of arteries. Your arteries are clogged, spiritually speaking. Hardness of heart. Impenitent heart, unrepentant. Instead of using the, the, the forbearance and long-suffering of God, to bring you to repentance, you just get harder in your heart. And you just refuse to repent. You got hardened, hardened arteries. Treasured up. <clears throat> Unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath. And revelation of the righteous judgment of God. He's talking to the religious man here. He says, you are in the wrath of God. And you're not only in the wrath of God. He said, you're, it's a mathematical term. You just keep adding more and more judgment to your life. You're treasuring up wrath against the day of wrath. You're just you're making it worse. Who will render to every man according to his what? His deeds. Not what he says, but what he does. To them who by, by patient continuance. Now, I want you to catch this. This is so powerful. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. That word immortality means a resurrection body. You know, you know who God's saying right here is going to have a resurrection body? Who's going to have eternal life? I'm going to tell you. God tells us right here who's going to be in heaven. They are those who patiently continue in well-doing. 
seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. A person that continues to live holy. Whew, man. Brothers and sisters, I've done the word studies on this and it is so powerful what he's saying. I'm going to just read it to you what I, what I have studied. Those who glorify and honor God will have peace. Because we seek incorruption, which means purity of doctrine and purity of life. For holiness, we will have peace. We have peace in our hearts But because in our life we experience tribulation as we seek incorruption, we seek purity and as a result sometimes no peace among men. But we shall have peace as a reward for purity. The King James translates immortality equals the resurrection body. What Paul is saying there, you want to know who's going to get a resurrection body? It's the people who live life seeking to be pure in doctrine and pure in life. You tell me today that holiness is not necessary to go to heaven. You tell me that we can live do whatever we want to do and disobey the Word of God and still go to heaven when the Bible is very clear the only people that are going to inherit a resurrected body, eternal life, is those that seek to be pure in doctrine and pure in life. That's what Paul says. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, you are unhappy. And I can't make you happy. I can't do enough to make you happy. I could never do enough to make you happy. No human being on the planet can make you happy. Sometimes, peace is going to leave you. When you are seeking to live incorruptible, when you are seeking to be pure doctrinally and pure in your life, peace will leave you as far as what men can do for you. When you're fighting the good fight of faith, sometimes peace is going to be... Now, I know you got the fruit of the Spirit, peace, but I'm talking about a, a, mind, a mindset, a, a, a tribulation that you're in in life. And you want to be happy, but I'm telling you, sometimes when you're living pure and holy and trying to be pure doctrinally, you don't have peace. It's a battle. And men can't give you peace. In fact, they won't give you peace. They'll, they'll persecute you, push you down, mock you, lie on you. Peace does not come from men. But God is saying, if you seek to live a pure life doctrinally and a pure life lived in holiness and righteousness, 
that God says those are the ones who are going to get a resurrected body. Antinomianism, which is lawlessness. The Bible says, Many will stand before Him on judgment day, saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name, done many wonderful works in Thy name, cast out devils in Your name? And He'll say, Depart from Me, ye that work lawlessness, because I never knew you. Brothers and sisters, we preach, we preach the Word of God here. We preach the, the importance of holiness, inward and outward holiness. And we still struggle. Most of these churches that are up today that don't preach these things, holiness and the importance of purity of doctrine and purity of life, they don't have a church. They have just a social gathering. And oh yeah, everybody's happy. But it's based on the peace that a man gives them. How many of y'all know what it's like to struggle against sin? To struggle to be pure doctrinally and pure life. To struggle. And where's the peace in it all? Well, when you do fight the good fight of faith, sometimes you're not going to have peace. But God says there's a reward of eternal peace. A resurrected body. So keep fighting. Keep seeking to be pure doctrinally. Well, they, that church isn't. Who cares? You want to be saved? I want to be saved. To them who by patient continuance say continue. Now listen, brothers and sisters. Some of us have been in this a lot longer than others. Okay? And the longer you live for Him, and the more you fight and you struggle to be pure doctrinally and pure in your life, the more patient continuance is required. Say continue. If I don't continue, if I don't endure patient continuance, that means enduring. And I continue. I don't have a promise of a resurrected body. I don't have a promise that's given to the saints. It's patient or endurance and continuing. It's not tapping out when something don't go your way and sit on a pew and you're not living it but you're still going to church, got the Bible under hand, still bring your tithes. Who cares? Are you walking with Him? Patient continuance to be pure doctrinally and pure in life. Those brothers and sisters are the only one who have the promise of immortality. Resurrected body. You and I are in the same world. I'm same with. I'm faced with some of the same temptations you are. Okay, and I'm going to tell you this. You're going to have to fight all the way to the end. And you got to rely upon the Spirit of God. And when peace leaves your life, because of the struggle in living for the Lord, you have to say. I have to endure. I have to continue. And by God's grace, I'll overcome. I'll overcome. Whew. 
On judgment day, the Word of God is what's going to judge everybody. And a lot of people haven't studied the Bible enough to know that that verse is in there. Don't celebrate people who walk away from the truth. Don't celebrate people who walk away from holiness. Don't celebrate them. Don't join their camp. Don't feel sorry for them. I don't care who they are, family, friends, or foe. I mean, don't don't feel sorry for them. You better get on fire for God. You, you and I need to make our calling and election sure by enduring and by continuing. Okay? Somebody said amen. I'm, I'm mean, ain't I? I'm mean. No, I just know death is real. Death is certain. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I don't care if you like me or you don't. I've got to tell you the truth. Amen? By the grace of God, I'm going to make it. But there's no guarantees. Because it's patient continuance, man. It's enduring. You know, I and that's what we all have to do. And I, I, love, I love people who just getting started in the race. You know, and I'm trying not to be cynical, you know, and I'm not trying to be be like that, brother Jonathan. But you know, some people just now getting started in the race, and they just now getting started in the ministry. But they want to tell you how to do it, and that's okay. I'll receive all the help I can get, and I'll receive words from anybody, but I'm going to tell you something. You need to wake up to reality. After you've been in this for about 30 years, then you can talk. There's Some people have paid a price. For patience and continuance. Amen? Okay, fine. That's good. Okay, so we're all going to play the game. No, that's not good, and that's not fine. Because you go play the game, you're going to find out when you play the game, it's not going to work out like you thought you would. It was going to work out. And you're just going to be going from one place to another trying to find yourself. You're going to be like these people in Florida. This hurricane called Irma has hit the coastland. It's hitting the coastland today. And they thought it was going to hit Miami. So they packed their bags, fleeing the storm out of Miami, went over to Tampa, and the storm changed its direction and headed the direction that they went to. And you can play the game if you want to. You can run from one place to another trying to escape the storm only to find that you've moved right into its path. I'm not joining you. I'm not playing the game, honey. This is real. I'm, you, don't, you don't understand where I am today. I've been in this too long, man. And I'm telling you right now that we are in a fight and you better get real and you better get on fire and you better stop looking for an evacuation location. 
And if you're if you're in the church, if you're in the church, you need to thank God because by the grace of God, you're still here. I said you need to thank God if you're still here. Because this is your shelter. He is your shelter. The Word of God is your shelter. If you start, start, you know, getting that escape mentality, evacuation mentality, evacuate to what? You're fixing to go right where the storm's coming. I'm telling you, I might not be what I should be. In fact, I'm not what I should be. But I'm telling you one thing. I'm going to stay here because this is my refuge. He is my refuge. And I'm going to preach and I'm going to be anointed and I'm going to pray despite my failures and despite my faults and despite my shortcomings. I'm not going to get religious. I'm going to be real with it. You come in here and say, oh man, I'm just so messed up. Okay, what's the, what is the response to that? The appropriate response. You found that out. Let the pedagogos, the boy teacher, take you to Christ. Let your despair take you to Christ. It's not to come in here and be full more pride and egotistical and sit there unmoved. It's time to awaken and to shaken yourself by the power of God and get right with God because He knows if you're doing stuff that you're trying to keep secret, He's known it for weeks. He just hasn't addressed you because He's patient and he's tolerating you your action is not your greatest problem it's the spirit that you have in that action that determines you come in here in your failure and you give yourself to God I come in here in my failure and I give myself to God. Because I know without Him I'm nothing. I know without Him I head straight to hell. I know, if, I know without Him I, I'm going to be like those people who are running from one place to another, evacuating right into this storm. God knows. You're not an angel. There's something sinful in every one of your lives. I'm going to say it again. There's something sinful in every one of your lives. You're no angel. You better get to Christ. Yeah. Even a great prophet like Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. closer you get to Him, the more desire you have for purity of doctrine and purity of life, the more you say, woe is me. It, it sure is. The closer you get to Him, whoo, man, you're doing good, dude. You know, break your arm patting yourself on the back. The closer you get to Him, the more you see you need Him. The more of the Word of God you know, the more you find out you don't know. Somebody said, praise the Lord. It's not about putting on a show when it's your day or your time to present 
We are what we are. You are what you are set in the pew. If coming from there, standing here makes a difference in you, then that's not who you are. God cares about your character. He cares about my character. You sit in the pew one way and you come up here. I don't know, man. I'm just letting the Holy Ghost use me. I was going to teach you a nice little theological study this morning and I, I'm just going to let the Holy Ghost teach you. But I'm just going to say this. You come up here and you stand on this platform and you're in the choir. That don't change who you are. You come and stand behind that pulpit and preach. That don't change who you are. God knows who you are in your He knows who I am in my character. Hallelujah. Somebody said, praise the Lord. There's nothing hidden from Him. Nothing. It is possible for you to escape human law. You know how you do it? If what you did was not discovered. There is some people running free right now who should be in prison or should be dead. But the reason why they're not is because they were undiscovered. You can escape human law by being undiscovered. You can escape human law by going or getting out of the boundaries of jurisdiction or out of the boundaries of authority. Do you understand? Second way to escape human law is to get away from the authority that enforces that law. Get out of the boundaries, the jurisdiction. Okay. The third way is if there's a breakdown in legal procedures. Some of you have heard people get off scot-free. You know, they're guilty. They got off scot-free because of some legal procedure wasn't followed. The fourth one is, fourth way you can escape human law is by escaping from prison. They got you. You were discovered. You couldn't get away from the authority of the boundaries of jurisdiction. There was no breakdown in legal procedure. They got you. They put you in prison, but you escaped from prison. Therefore, you escaped human law till they catch you. But with God, it doesn't work that way because He's not, it's not human law. With God, instead of being undiscovered, our sin is known to God. Unlike human law where you can escape the boundaries or the authority of jurisdiction, David said this, I quoted this not long ago, Psalm 139, verse 7 through 12. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? I mount up to heaven, he said, he's there. If I go down into hell, you can't escape his jurisdiction. 
There'll be no breakdown in legal procedure either. Numbers 14 through 18 says, God visits the iniquity of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. There's no breakdown in legal procedure. And number five, there's no escaping out of prison because you can't get out of hell. Amen? So what do we do now? We all guilty. All of us are guilty. Whether the Gentile without the Word of God or the Jew or any religious person with the Word of God. We're all guilty. So you know what we do? We come before God in the court of law. We find out He brings the... You're guilty. What do you do with that? Settle out of court. That's what you do. You settle out of court. You flee to Christ. Now is the day of salvation. Eternity, you have to remember, is settled in this life. So all of you say, man, I can't, I gotta get out of here, man. He's making me feel bad. He's making me feel guilty. <laughs> That's right. Settle out of court. Surrender to Jesus. Get to an altar. Repent of your sins. And say to God, God, Eternity is settled in this life, not in the future. I gotta get it right now. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Really, ultimately, what God is saying, we're all misers of the wrath of God. You know what a miser is? You know, they got their little coins. Little bag of coins. They pour their coins out on, on the table every night and they count them. And they got another coin today to add to it. So they count their little coins. And they put their little coins in the bag. And, and they run and hide it. You know what we are? We're misers of the wrath of God. We just keep adding. Stop resisting God. Stop pleading your own case. Stop trying to defend yourself. Say, I stand guilty. Here I come, Jesus. I repent. Amen. Say amen. Hallelujah. 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 You on the run? You on the run today? You're trying to escape jurisdiction? You on the run? Trying to get away from authority? You on the run? Hoping for a breakdown of legal procedure? Oh, maybe this. Undiscovered. Oh, maybe you're hoping in that one. Or maybe you're in jail today. And you're escaping. Which one are you? Are you the one who stands in the court? You're found guilty. You say, I know I am. I tried to be religious. I tried to play the religious game. It didn't work. I tried to go to church. It didn't work. Guilty. My children are guilty. Victoria, you hear this? You're guilty. Jeremiah, you hear this? You're guilty. Daddy's guilty too. That old carnal flesh, stupid, self-righteous, religious. I tell my kids, you better get to God. 
better make sure you're living for God. Say praise the Lord. What matters are the wrath of God, man. We're just accumulating wrath. Apart from Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for Him, we'd all be dying going to hell. But He took my sin and your sin on that cross. Stop trying to be religious. Walk with Jesus. But unto them that are continuous and do not... Contentious. This is interesting. Verse 7, the ones that will have eternal life. Verse 8, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. You know what the word contention means? It means to spin. There's a lot of people spinning. There used to be a guy, used to be on television. He used to be a news broadcaster. His name was Bill O'Reilly. Every day he would say, the spin stops here. Well, they took him down. He's not there anymore. But he always say, the spin stops here. That's what the word contention means. It means to spin wool. So I'll see if I can explain that to you. Contention, self-seeking. Out of contention, the Greek word ek erathia, to spin wool. One who wants popular applause, spinning out trickery. We're living in a, we're living in a time right now where people want to be popular. And they spin. They want to be applauded. So they spin tricks. God says that's contention. You're a spinner of wool. Oh, you want somebody to applaud you. Oh, you want somebody, you want to be popular with everybody. I'm not giving in to that, man. Are you still walking with God in such a way today in separation, holiness, and purity that people still stay away from you? I'm talking about people in the church. Or do you decide to be the leader of the pack? Spin. Brothers and sisters, I, I have nothing against anybody. I want to tell you something, but I know people's spirit. And I discern people's spirit. We have spinners. They're contentious. Ek erathea. Spin wool, one who wants popular applause, spinning out trickery. He is outside of the will of God. It means he contends with God, constantly contending with God. Fights truth. They are those that oppose the truth, disobey it. I don't want to be a fighter of God. I don't want to be spinning out trickery to get the applause of men. I put myself on the wrong side of God, man. I start fighting God, being disobeyed. Give myself a license to disobey God. 
be contentious. Any, how many contentious people I got out there? Anybody contentious? Anybody? You're contentious, you know? Can you? You don't spin trickery, do you? Well, then you're not contentious. You disobey the Word of God? I know, but you're not wanting to, are you? You're not fighting God, are you? You're not fighting His Word, are you? Yeah, see? So I don't think you're... You know, you lift your hands in honesty. Which probably you need to put your hand down. The rest of them need to lift it. That's normally the way it is. The one that lifts his hand could keep his hand down. The ones that kept their hand down should be lifting it, you know. It's normally the way it is. Go ahead, Fino. Put your hand down. Everybody else. Spinners. These are the people that won't find peace. These are the people that won't find immortality. These are the people. They live the trick. They live the lie, man. They live the spin. Looking for the applause of man. Yep. Make his name say yep. Spinning wool, man. You sure are you sure are making a pretty garment for yourself. Okay, fine. But eventually it's all gonna come out. You know what I mean? It's all gonna come out. Just give it time. Tribulation, anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Now I need to address this. God is saying if there is a, a person that exists on the planet that lived up to God's holy requirements as found in His law, if there was somebody that existed like that, they would have eternal life. Okay? But there's no person that has ever existed that lived up to the righteous requirements of God's law. Nobody. There's nobody that exists like that on the planet apart from Jesus Christ. There are people who are born again that keep the commandments of God who will experience peace and goodness but apart from being born again, nobody has ever existed on the planet that can be saved by their good works. Nobody. Maybe some got a little bit closer. You know, it's kind of like the exam that you take. You made a 90 on the exam. And the person next to you made an 80. Well, you came closer with your 90 than they did with their 80, but still came short. You might have made a 99. I mean, Bishop right here, he might be making a 99 and keeping the law of God. He came close. I made a 75. He came closer than me, but he didn't make a 100. People who try to live a moral life, try to live a good life, 
they might be closer than some other people, but God requires 100%. So nobody has ever existed on the planet that made 100 on the test of the law requirements. Verse 12, for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. That's those Gentiles that didn't have the Word of God. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. See what God's saying? You can read the Bible all day long. You can know the Bible inside and out. But knowledge of the Bible and reading the Bible is not strong enough to give you victory over the power of sin. You have to be born again. The Jew who carried the Bible in his hand but didn't live it. The Gentile that didn't have the law in his hand. He didn't live up what he knew. And the Jew didn't live up to what he knew about God. And so Paul is saying, he's bringing the whole world before the throne of God in the courtroom of God and says, you're all guilty. The law is not strong enough to break the power of sin in your life. I can come to you and say, you better stop that. Why? Because God's Word says it. You're not going to stop it. Because that's not strong enough. Only the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ in you and His blood will give you and I victory over that sin nature. Those who sin without the law are going to be judged without the law. Those that sin... In the law, so be judged by the law. Some have it, some didn't. Some had the Word of God, some didn't have the Word of God. Paul says everybody's going to be judged because nobody's lived up to it. The Gentiles didn't live up what they knew by natural revelation of conscience. And the Jews didn't live up to what they knew in the Word of God and the covenant that they were in. They broke it. Nobody exists. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves. Hallelujah. Two key words, and I'll pick up from here tonight. Two key words that Paul will focus on is the law and the Spirit. Okay? The law and the Spirit. There's four things you need to understand about the law. How do you define the word law? Law. Law. Number one is... All the commands of God, when God talks about law, all the commands of God from God to man. Law. Okay? It's general commands of God. Or is it, when he talks about this, is it Torah? Is it the law of Moses? Right? Or is it talking about a principle or a power. Faith is a law. It's a principle and a power. So, by the grace of God tonight, I will pick up where I'm leaving here and preach that to you. Amen? Because God is going to show that there are Gentiles who by the law that they have 
obey the law of God. And they didn't have the law of God. They had a conscience. And they understood the will of God. And they did it. And he's going to talk about the Jew who had the Mosaic law. The Bible. And they didn't do it. Amen? But that wasn't enough to save the Gentile. Just those good moral deeds and good works was not enough to save the Gentile. The Bible underneath the arm of the Jew, his religion, his rituals, as he lived in sin and disobedience to God's Word was not enough. He brought judgment on himself. The religious man is not going to be saved. The moral man, the moralist is not going to be saved. He's going to line up with just like the old Gentile pagan, the judgment bar of God Almighty, and be cast into the lake of fire because nobody can be saved outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. As long as you and I understand that the basic condition of man is laid out by the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans and our need for Jesus Christ and the gospel and salvation. You keep those two fires burning knowing who you are, knowing who Jesus is, you'll be fine. You stay where you're supposed to be. I stay where I'm supposed to be in God. We'll be fine. Because I need Him and you need Him. And I know you do. I know you know that you need Him. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. You know how bad you are. Amen. Now, you were bad before you got in the church, weren't you? Anybody bad before you got in the church? Some of you are born in the church. So you're in the chapter 2. I'm preaching to you. You're in Romans chapter 2. You're the religious person. But... Anyway, you know, before you got in God, you knew how bad you were, right? And then you got born again and you still found out you still got an evil inclination. Okay? So it shows you still need God. And those of you who are born in the church sitting on the pew, they're thinking just because mama's Pentecostal, you're going to heaven too. God's saying, no, you need your own personal relationship with God. Not just mama. Okay? Hallelujah. Religion won't get you there either. Your denomination won't get you there. Would you stand? May the Lord bless you real good. Thank God for Jesus Christ who is God. How many of y'all want to try to live without Him? Anybody here want to try to live without Him? I don't want to. I don't want to try to live without Him. Um, how many want to be an atheist? How many want to be an atheist? Well, you, do you know that an atheist is not just somebody that says, I don't believe that God exists. Do you know that there are atheists that go to church? Atheists that go to church and say they believe in God. Because an atheist is not just somebody who says, I don't believe there's a God. An atheist is somebody who don't live for God. And by their lifestyle, deny He exists. I don't want to be an atheist. 
Ooh, bad. When Jesus judges us, I don't want to be surprised when He looks at me and says, depart from me, when He says, God, changing that. You're not going to say that. I hope that wasn't a prophecy from the Holy Ghost. Prophecy from the Holy Ghost, the Lord's going to say to the pastor, depart from me, you that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Oh boy, brother, you need to pray for your pastor. I don't want to get there and be surprised and him say that to me. Because eternity is a long, long time and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We thought we had it all sewed up. We found out we came short. I don't want that, do you? I'm putting my trust, total trust and confidence in him. Amen? God bless your heart. Y'all doing all right? Not since you found out how rotten you are. How rotten you are, how rotten your kids are. No, that's good. I need to know that. I need to know that. I thank God for the truth, because the truth makes me sets me free. You know, because if if I don't if I don't have something diagnosing me, I'm gonna lose my mind trying to figure myself out. But God's already diagnosed me. He uncovered everything. He revealed everything. There's, there's, there's nothing hidden. Amen. That hasn't been revealed. So I don't have to try to figure it, sit there and diagnose myself. Why are you, you know, why are you crazy? Why you act like this? We're all, we're slaves under sin. There's that old sin nature. We're all under the power of sin. Every one of us need a Savior. And the good news is that's the gospel. And that's what we'll be preaching to you after we get through these first couple of chapters, through chapter 3, verse 20. All right? Hallelujah. I think I need him more today than I ever have. I, I, I really do. I, I need him more today than I ever have. I need more grace. You know, you know how, how life, the longer you live life, the more unraveled it becomes. When you were first born, goo goo gaga, playing with your little toys as they spin around in the little crib, goo goo gaga, put a little milk in the mouth. Just, that's all you need, man. You know? Now, somebody to change a diaper for you, just hope they don't stick a pin in your leg. And I mean, right? I mean, that's that, nothing real complicated with that. But as you get a little older, your life gets more and more complicated. It's getting more complicated for me. I need Jesus. The good news, He's here. Aren't you glad He's here? Okay. Praise the Lord. You know, almost, you know what it feels like? I'll tell you what it feels like. It feels like somebody just, just walked up to me and just tore my clothes off of me, stripped me down, and left me standing there naked. No covering. So now I'm running to Jesus to get my covering. You know what I'm saying? See, when you something about clothes, man. You come in here, you got your clothes on, you know. That's all you need, just clothes. Right? 
Maybe somebody needs to strip you down. Whoo, man. I need me a towel. Oh, that's not big enough. It used to fit me. It don't, it don't fit me no more. <laughs> it used to fit me. Now it only goes around half the body. <laughs> How do you feel, Chris? Just like, tore your clothes off, man. Nothing to hide behind. Just open and naked before Him with whom we have to do. Open and naked before Him with whom we have to do. That's the way He sees us. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless each and every one of you. Did Jesus cover you back up with His blood? Saving power. That's good because you don't have to leave her naked. Jesus provided a covering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you know what do you got to do? You got you come in here in your own covering, like the, you know, the little fig leaves that you want to wear. And uh, the Lord says, nope, that's your self-righteousness, Adam. You got to kill an animal, shed some blood to get you covered. Amen. Love every one of you. Hallelujah. Now come back tonight. Uh, you, you, you might want to come and pray. I don't know. If you need God, you might want to come and pray. I don't know. If you don't need God, don't come. That's all I know to say. How many of y'all need God? Okay, well that then I'd like to see you in prayer. If you don't need God, don't even bother. Don't even come. Hallelujah. I mean, if you got everything you need, you tight with God, yeah. Stay home. Praise the Lord. If you need God, it's not just we're not putting on a show. We're just there because we're saying we need God. Hallelujah. Anything going on in your family? Any problems in your family? Your marriage? Your children? Your mom, your dad, your grandpa, and your grandma? Any problems? No? Everything going great? If it is, you don't need to come and pray. What? Hey, I'm not mad at you. Just smile. Don't smile. Oh yeah, he said, now you want me to smile. You've been crowding at us all morning. Now you want us to smile at you, Pastor. Yeah, I'm afraid if I step down and walk, I might get you know, a hatch in the back of the head or something. <laughs> smile. Okay, I'll just, I'm going to just tell you this, okay, realistically. If, if y'all don't need anything from God, if you don't need God, you just got everything wrapped up, nice, tight, just like you want it, and then don't even bother to come to pray. Okay? But if there's any little need in your life, you might want to talk to him about it. Because if you don't, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get real religious. And nobody can do anything with you. Including God. If you stay close to God, and I stay close to God, then God can do something with us. Right? So prayers at what time? 5.30. Hallelujah. I didn't approach it legalistically, did I?